0: All right, race fans, Brian Eho here and the one and only Bert Lehman. Bert, how are you doing?
1: Doing good. Uh, uh, a lot of melting today. Uh, it's Monday or no, Tuesday night as we uh, record this and uh, 50 degrees around here. So uh, I was sitting in my office just watching the water just stream down the parking lot as the snow was melting.
0: We don't like seeing water streamed down anything during racing season. But if it result if it's because of melting snow, we're all for it, right? Same thing here. I'm up at my parents' place shoveling a little bit today, which if I just waited a few days, I might not have to shovel, but uh the snow is melting. It was about 50 here today, too. So racing season is really, really close. I'm kind of getting a, a little bit excited, of course. Episode <clears throat> 120 brought to you by dirt track supply out in watertown south dakota ron anderson trevor anderson trevor um he's geared up he's heading to bristol he said it's bristol baby and he's getting ready to bring that aero chassis modified down there but uh ron i don't know if he's going or not i i would assume he's gonna go but somebody's got to work right so I'm, I'm sure ron might have to stick around but uh this is the time of year get a hold of them guys uh, dirt track supply, if you need parts, if you need whatever, get a hold of them, they'll take good care of you. And uh, let's start here, you know, with some local stuff, right? So as the racing season is getting closer, I see a lot of schedules for racetracks, series, everything's starting to drop. I know the Grand Rapids Speedway, they actually put their schedule out and Bert, there's gonna be two structural buildings with sort of late model challenge series events at the Grand Rapids Speedway. The first one is going to be the XR Northern Storm. They have that week of racing. The Wasota Classic wasn't going to be a Challenge Series show, but uh, Rod Lindquist, the executive director, um, sounds like he's got some pretty big plans for that. So we talked to Bob, and Bob said, you know what, we'll support it. We'll go with two, plus an NLRA race and special for the Supers and all kinds of different stuff going on at the Grand Rapids Speedway. But the Challenge Series, which, let's just be honest, let's just call a spade a spade. Um, it was terrible the last couple of years. I mean, last year, Bert, there was what three cars ran all the shows. I think Jake Radetzky missed one. So he ran all but one and that, that ain't going to get, that was a bad deal all the way around. And uh, Rod, he's pretty passionate about that. Says, you know what? That's number one priority today is getting that back to where it's actually something to be proud of. So we'll see, right? We'll see. He's got big plans. He's got, in fact, the opening night, and let me look at the date here. So, the opening night for the structural buildings with Soda Late Model Challenge Series, Friday, May 13th, at the I 94 Surestep Speedway in Fergus Falls. Bert, it looks like it's going to start out 5,000 to win opening night for the Challenge Series. So, they're coming to play. Don Shaw, big, uh, big supporter of racing, they're going to go to the Viking Speedway the next night. The schedule. If it's not all already, we're doing this Tuesday night. It was supposed to be out today. I'm assuming it'll be out tomorrow, but uh, they got the schedule pretty well set. Um, Looks like the Mater race is gonna be a Challenge Series race as well. So the schedules are coming out, Bert. Anything on your end, over your direction, Eastern Wisconsin, sticking out as far as schedules um, early on, I guess we're mid-March here.
1: Uh, Well, a lot of the tracks uh,
0: on this area, they've
1: released uh, their schedules already. you know, 141 has their usual 10,000-to-win uh, specials for the mods, the stock cars, and the, the sport mods uh, scattered throughout the summer. Uh, I don't know if we talked about this on the show or not, but uh Outer Gaming Speedway and Seymour is not having a World of Outlaw race this year, but they're going to have a Mars race. So, I'm...
0: Yeah, yeah, you did mention that slightly. Do you know what that... I'm guessing that'll be five grand to win, probably for the Mars race. Then, typically,
1: I I think so. Uh, don't quote me on that, but I think it's five thousand, and I so believe the race. it's five grand. Okay, <laughs> yeah. the race is. Uh, I I don't have the schedule in front of me. I think it's in August sometime. Okay, uh, but uh, Out of Gaming Speedway will also have three Dirt Kings races. Uh, they obviously have their late mod, the Dirt King races, the weekend prior to a holiday. So prior to Memorial Day prior to Fourth of July and and then not prior to uh, Labor Day but uh, like two weeks after Labor Day they have their they have their special. Do
0: they typically um, have three at Oghemi or do they usually have two on the schedule? No is they, they usually have three. Oh they do
1: okay, okay. yeah They they're right, right before Memorial, Memorial Day weekend and then uh, whatever weekend is close to the Fourth of July, and then at their year end special, they have. Uh, okay. um, and then Shanno Speedway, you know, last year they were supposed to have that 5,000 or, yeah, 5,000 to win uh, late model special that got rained out. And um, so that, you know, the sponsor who put up that money, uh, that money is still there to use. So um, they don't have the dates yet, but they're going to have two, two 2500 to win specials, is what I hear.
0: Okay, okay. No. So, so that'll are they going to be back to back like a double header or just two spread out I, between I, the air? No, no, I, I'm not no sure. I'm All not right, sure. Well, and I, then, I'll, uh, oh, go and ahead. And then, Sorry.
1: obviously, uh, I, I believe we talked about the Dirk King schedule a little bit, yes. although I, I, I'm sure that's going to be changing with uh, SK news, uh, uh, that that's been coming out over the last week or so
0: <laughs> yeah it sounds like Bert Lehman is going to be the new promoter at the <laughs> SK Speedway uh, so they, yeah it sounds like uh, Steve Kasten's kind of throwing it out there saying hey if somebody wants to promote Scott Duval, get a hold of Scott Duval, text him like crazy get him back promoting the SK Speedway it was a Spring Lake Speedway when he had it the crowds Bert, when Scott was running that track were incredible over a thousand, and we're talking like there's not a lot of population around there. Car counts weren't great, but they had over a thousand people in the grandstands there. So, Scott Duvall, not saying you need to run the whole season, but maybe do a couple shows over there at SK. And drivers in the area, you know, I think they want to get something going back there. So I got a question for you. We saw last week there was supposed to be, I guess the the last dance, we we called it or I called it the last dance at the Rev supposed to be a doubleheader for World of Outlaw late model action. Weather looked like it was coming in. World of Outlaws pulled the pin. And I hear a lot of he said, she said, right? Talked to a couple teams and they said, we didn't really want to go with the weather and with it being cold. And then you see what uh, Dylan Scott, of course, the promoter, country music guy, said, oh, I'm, you know I, I, I can't believe the World of Outlaws did that to us. And they pulled the pin on us it sounds to me, there was a few drivers saying, Hey, we would have went right. And there's a few drivers saying, I don't want to freaking drive down there for that weather and for that cold temperature at this fuel prices and take a chance. So when you saw that, what was your thoughts? What was your thoughts of Dylan Scott's statement that he made? Cause he did a couple of Facebook lives. What was your thoughts? there? Well,
1: I mean, if he made that statement, uh, obviously, uh, it was a world of outlaw decision and it wasn't his decision because, uh, it sounds like he, he was willing to still promote the show. Um, but you know, we've talked about this quite a bit on this show about, uh, you know, the possibility that this is going to happen more often this year because of the higher, especially for the bigger shows, because you don't want the promoters don't want to take a bath. You know, if some, if, If the weather's bad and now with the price of gas, you know, you don't want to make teams drive a lot of miles and then have the races get rained out. I mean, you had sent the text to me and to us about, you know, what it would cost some of these teams to, uh, to travel down there. And I mean, it was over a thousand dollars just to drive there. And, you know,
0: it's hard to make that up. (laughs) <laughs> Just to give you some perspective, right? I was looking from from Carpentersville, Illinois. That's where Dennis Herb Jr., who's a regular with the World of Outlaws, that's where he lives. Sixteen hundred and sixty miles round trip. Okay. Now, when I did this post, it was four seventy-five for diesel. Which now in Illinois, it's more than that. It's like five fifty or something like that. So it's it's a lot higher. But and now figure these haulers, Bert. You can, you can say on a good day, if they're nice to their hauler, six miles to the gallon. If they got their foot in the, in the pump, they're gonna get less than that, okay? So at six miles to the gallon, at 475, just the fuel to drive there and back, $1,314. That's over $1,300 literally just driving there and back, not doing anything else. <clears throat> not paying the crew, not unloading the car, not anything, right? So these drivers are looking at it going, if the weather's iffy, you're going to have to pull the pan, right? We talked a little bit about this. Now, this is going to relate a lot more regionally than it's going to on the national scene, right? Because some of those big teams, they're like, whatever. They got tons of money, not a big deal. They can write checks all day long, not worry about it. These lower budget regional teams, Bert, they can't do it. They simply can't. And and I was my own worst enemy, okay? Back when I was racing for points, fuel costs were way less than they are now, okay? And, and I can't tell you, and if you're watching the show, if you're a racer, you've done it. How many times it's like, well, I think they're probably gonna get it in, I'm going. Or if you're racing for a track championship or a series title or whatever, you're obligated. You have no choice. If you've committed all season long, and they still are, are racing. You have to go. You have to go. There's no, there's no doubt about it. Now, back in the day, what the my work, my least favorite thing on planet Earth was when I'd get to the track, I'd unload the car and it would downpour before anything even started, and it's like I just wasted the whole entire day. Okay, so track promoters, you know, and I'll be honest too, Bert, because I'd be calling like the Proctor Speedway. I'll never forget this. I was racing for national points. I'd be calling up crash and crash is like, I think we're going to cancel it. And you can't freaking cancel it. Look at the weather. The lake is pushing it away. It's going to be fine. It's going to clear up. We're going to race. And I'd be like, "Going, oh, you got to race. You have to, because I needed to be there. I wanted the points. I had to go. I'm like, we can get it in. Don't worry about it. We're going to make it. <laughs> we're our own worst enemy, Bert. We're like freaking crack acts. We are absolutely it's ridiculous. So, Track promoters, series promoters, you got to protect us, idiot race car drivers, from ourselves because we flat out will go. Then we'll bitch all day long. Oh, they should have canceled. What the hell were they thinking? <laughs> you can't. Well, win. So you, you're best off canceling the scenario like that.
1: And I mean, you know, you're looking at it from the racer's perspective. Uh, I mean, it's the same from a fan's perspective. I mean, you know, if, if there's a a special race that's several hours away i mean yes i i'm monitoring the weather you know i i'm you know because i don't want to drive two to three hours and then have it get rained out and then have to drive back i mean a few years ago when uh, the dirt kings raced at angel park speedway uh or raceway down in sun prairie i had never been to that track so i wanted to see a race there so you know it was sunny in the north when I left you know and that's like a two to three hour drive for me got down there and there's dark clouds and it didn't even rain hard but it rained for like 10 minutes as soon as I pulled into the parking lot and they canceled it like 15 minutes later and it's just like Okay, turn around and drive back home.
0: (laughs) I remember, I remember calling Cedar Lake. This is back in the late 90s, right? This is before we could just jump online and see what the weather was looking, you know, all that. And I remember calling the track and be like, what's it looking like? Oh, no, it rained all day. We're going to be good. And then I would call like my buddy Justin, right, that lived like right down the road from the track. He'd be like, dude, it's been raining all day. What? He goes... Like yeah, it's been raining. It's been kind of just a steady drizzle. I'd call the track. No, nah, we had a couple little misting deals. We're gonna be good, and then you'd get there and they'd cancel, right? So you kind of have a little bit of that. <clears throat> but the Lucas Oil Series had a had a deal last year because understand, like the world of Outlaws and Lucas Oil. If you're a tour regular, you get paid tow month automatically just for showing up. Now well, I did the math there thirteen hundred dollars. I, I don't think it covers that. I don't know how it works on two-day shows. I think they get full day one, and I think they get half of it on day two. I don't think it used to be that way. World of Ola's used to be they get full on day one, and if it was a two-day show, I don't think they got anything on day two. But now I think they get half on day two, so it gets close to covering it, right? <clears throat> but they safeguarded the tracks is what they did, and they said, look, here's the deal if you sell a ticket, right, if you sell any tickets, you have to pay, or they are safe, they're actually safeguarded the drivers, you have to pay the teams half their toll money if you sell any tickets. Well, now you have some promoters out there saying, we're, we're done, we'll cancel. This one was different, though, because it was the last race of the, you know, they're, they're shutting the doors, they're done, he wanted to get it in. I don't know how I feel about it, because if he was willing to pay him, right, then then it is what it is, you know, uh-huh. but if, if, if he wasn't willing to pay him. So there's a lot of he said, she said here. I don't know the scenario, but I do know this, that with all the fuel prices and all that that's going on, tracks are going to have to cancel earlier. Series will have to cancel earlier. Protect the drivers from themselves because I tell you, we'll go. We just will. Oh, it looks like we're probably going to get it in. You get there. Oh, I can't believe they didn't call it. Gr- promoters, you're going to get your ass chewed either way. <laughs> it just is what it is. You can't win. They, If you're a promoter, you already know this. If you cancel too early, you're an asshole, right? If you wait and you don't cancel till late and it rains out, you're an asshole, period. It just is what it is. You can't win. So the best case scenario, if you know you can't win, save the team some money and, and help protect them from themselves. Now, you mentioned fans, right? So you mentioned on the fan perspective going two, three hour drive, I'm gonna look at the weather. Well, now you gotta remember, <clears throat> we have streaming platforms, right? So, and, and I'm thankful because where I live in Illinois, it's unbelievable to be able to jump on Dirt Race Central, watch drc.tv and catch a ton of Wissoda racing action from my region. And then, of course, we got Dirt Vision and XR and we got, you know, Mav and we got all this stuff. We can watch, literally, we can watch all the racing we want during the heat of the summer. You can sit there on a Saturday night from home and you can probably watch seven or eight, 10, 15 races easily if you want to. Now, we all know that it's better being at the track. The whole experience is better than just sitting there eating popcorn and not being there, but now now today with fuel prices Bert do you think that you're going to have people traveling less maybe traveling to a big show like the USA Nationals right but do you think that you're going to see less people traveling 50 to 100 miles to watch weekly racing right um if especially if they can watch it at home what's your thoughts there uh I
1: I agree um I think um people are going to travel less i mean i i know i saw a facebook thread on there and you know some people said well i'm still gonna i'm still gonna go to all the races i plan to the price of entertainment just went up well that's all fine and dandy if you have the money to the extra money to spend but i mean if you're if you're on a budget and you don't have the extra money you are going to have to cut back and you're not going to go to the rate all the races that you had originally planned to go to and yeah, I mean, you're probably gonna, if you wanna see racing, you're gonna watch it on streaming if you subscribe to those services.
0: You know, and I think this is where, you know, we've talked about this a lot, right? The, the special event culture to the weekly racing fan-friendly um, culture, right? There's two different types. And you see a lot of promoters throughout the region, throughout the whole country, putting an emphasis on special events, right? Like every other week's a special, a special. They want to get fans from out of town to come to the special, a late model special, a mod special, whatever it is, right? And, and some tracks thrive on, we're going to focus on weekly racing. We might have one or two specials during the year, but our emphasis is the, the local community. Now with with the with the gas prices, with streaming platforms and all that, I think, in my opinion... The tracks that have the best weekly culture, they're going to be doing the best, right? Because you take, let's use Shano, okay? How many people from Shano that that go to the races there on a weekly basis, whether they're drivers or fans or a combination of both, would you say are within, I don't know, 30 miles, 40 miles?
1: I mean, I would say the majority of the fans are from within 30 miles, I mean, I live a little over a half hour away, but I mean, I, I, I'm like 25 miles away. So, I mean, I would fall within that range. Um, and I think actually, I think the green Bay area would fall into the 30 mile range. So I would say the ma- majority of the fans that go there weekly are within that range. And one thing about Shano is the fans that show up really, they follow drivers. I mean, they come, they, they come to cheer on their local heroes. And um, I mean, the crowds can get uh, a little uh, uh, rambunctious sometimes depending on what's happening on the track. And uh, but that's what makes racing fun. I mean, is when the crowd really gets into it and uh, they, they follow drivers and that's the type of atmosphere that Shano has.
0: So I think back, right, back when I was racing in Hibbing, I mean, Hibbing, of course, is still going, but there was a time at the Hibbing Raceway, Bert, where if they wouldn't have had anybody show up from, like, over 30 miles away, they still would have had a ton of people in the grandstands and a full pit, okay, and now I think that that culture's kind of gone away, so there's two types of tracks out there as far as culture goes. And, and we talked about Wilmer last year. I'll just use them as an example. Nothing against Wilmer. I love racing at the KRA Speedway. But we actually, I looked on my race pass last year. And other than just their mini stocks, their four cylinders, the VAT, I think there was only like a handful of drivers there from within a 20 mile radius. And that's a 20,000 people strong town, right? There's plenty of people in Wilmer, very few racers, right? So you start looking and, and you can just, you've been to enough races and the fans watching, they've been to enough races. And I just want you to think to yourself, some tracks have a ton of people from their local community or just a, a very short distance, five, 10, 15 miles away, a ton of drivers, a ton of fans, and they have a huge racing culture. Some tracks, they don't have that. Like you can literally drive all over town and talk to people about racing. And they're like, Yeah, I didn't even know there was a track here, right? So now more than ever, people got to get out and they got to understand, you got to promote. Get out in your local communities. And I'm talking to promoters, drivers, fans, everybody involved, right? Do your part, do your part. Go out in your local community. And I challenge everybody, Bert, to just do one thing. If you just, if everybody just does one thing in 2022, to promote racing within their own community, imagine what this could look like in 2023, right? You know, we've seen we've seen drivers over the years bring their cars in parades, right? We've seen drivers over the years bring their cars to sporting events or to the schools. In some areas, Bemidji Speedway, they still do that. They got, Bemidji Speedway in, out of my area has more youth racing people then all the other tracks in the area combined. It's unbelievable, but they also do a lot more of that type of stuff, getting cars and parades, that type of stuff, which is crazy. So that is very good. But if everybody, like a fan, if you just say, you know what, I'm going to take one night this year and I'm going to talk to all my coworkers or my friends or whatever, and the people that haven't been to the races, I'm just going to bring them once, right? And I challenge you all by pit passes, and bring them down in the pits at the first half of the race during the heats, introduce them to some people. So they have somebody to cheer for later on that night in the main events. Right. So get creative. If everybody just goes out and promotes, not just throwing it up on Facebook, not just on Instagram or Snapchat, actually going out and doing something unique, man, that's what this sport needs. we got a great sport here, Bert. And right now with fuel prices and all that, People are looking for things to do. People still like to be entertained, but the better the culture is at home, the less that the the economy is going to affect those tracks. So that's enough on that Bert. So speaking of that, let's jump into a blast to the past. Okay. Anything else you want to add on the culture there before we, before we shift gears? Um, No, I I think we covered it
1: pretty well, but I mean, I agree with you that uh, more than ever uh, promoting is going to be, and that's not just posting on Facebook, hey, we have races every every whatever night of the week it is. I mean, we've talked about this enough on the show too, is you can't rely on just Facebook to, to promote your facility. You have to actually promote it.
0: Exactly, and it takes everybody, right? The drivers, and I remember when I was a driver, Bert, so I get it. Drivers are going, oh, man, I ain't got time to do that. I get it. I get it, right? Because I was OCD with maintenance, and I raced four nights a week. I get it, right? But I'm not saying do something every week. I mean, if you can, better. But just, I'm just challenging you to do one thing per year, just one. And that could be taking your car to one of your sponsors, right? Arranging a few of your buddies that have cars and doing a mini car show something like that anything to get people involved and uh, i think that's what it takes it's not just one person it's the whole racing community has to come together and do their part so Bert, let's go to a blast to the past brought to you by impact health sharing so fans racers self-employed people if you're paying for your own health care give me a call shoot me a text hit me up on messenger can't promise you nothing But I've been able to save people a ton of money, literally cut the healthcare costs in half for a lot of people. Go to any doctor you want, get a hold of me, see if we can help you out, have a little bit more money to spend on fuel to get to these racetracks that we're talking about. So Bert, episode 120, I don't think either one of us have a 120.
1: No, I do not have a 120.
0: Do you have a number 20?
1: I have a few 20s. Um, Going back in time... Uh, I've never seen this guy race, but Dave Conger, he was from Oshkosh and he raced in the sixties and seventies. And, uh, everything I've heard is he was one of the, the top drivers in Northeast Wisconsin. Um, so, um, I have him listed and then a driver who's still racing late models. Uh, joy, Joe Reuter, um, number 20 right here. <laughs> Get it out open it up get it out no (laughs) they all fall out right um but uh uh, he's still racing late models uh unfortunately he doesn't get to race the whole year because he also works for the green bay packers so once uh once training camp starts he's kind of uh kind of has to uh be at training camp but uh so (laughs)
0: Unbelievable! You you think he could work for a good team? So tell is he <laughs> to trying to get Aaron Rodgers somebody to throw the ball to? Maybe have him reach out, call up uh, Devontae Adams. I don't know.
1: Well, he worked. He works in the IT department, so he is on the sidelines for every every Packer game. And uh, one of I, my understanding is one of his duties is to make sure that the the communication. Uh, equipment between the head coach and the quarterback uh is working so
0: okay <laughs> that now i know who to pay off fair enough
1: <laughs> and then uh obviously uh tony stewart uh raced the number 20 uh late model so uh i have him and i'm not sure which one because there were several at race but uh wasn't one of the patchins a 20 he was and i
0: actually have him on my list so okay patchin and, and back when, I guess, in the late 90s, I ran Super Stocks. He was really good. So the Patchen family has a huge racing history over in the Princeton area. Um, man, I, I don't know if I got this right. I think maybe it was Tony. Um, I think Tony was the dad, and he raced. And then there was three kids. I think it was Tim, Toby, and Jeff all raced. Jeff was number 20. He ran late models. He's still running a modified a little bit, I believe, um, today over at the Princeton Speedway, some IMCA stuff. But yeah, Jeff and a hell of a wheel, man. So, so those those are the names that I have. So I'm going to start out with one, right? Dirt Track Supply. That is the sponsor of our show. So the, the legendary Ron Anderson over in Watertown, South Dakota at the Casino Speedway. A um, couple nicknames. They had Racing Ronnie. They had um, Ron, the rented driver. And we'll get into that in a little bit. But oh, he's got around 200 feature wins tons of track championships over there and uh i asked trevor i said what are the, some of the things that you remembered he's like i remember making our trips out to rapid speedway to some specials i remember they had lots of cheaters nights over there i'm like all you guys in south dakota every night's a cheaters night i'm like what are you talking about and then he then he kind of tapered off and you know he decided i'm gonna start dirt track supply and then they got so busy he couldn't race his own car and that's where he got um the rate the rented driver name because he'd jump in people's cars. And he told me that one night over in Hartford. Now Ron Anderson's a big dude. Okay, he's not no, he's not like a, a little jockey like Kyle Larson. He's big. He's like six two three. I mean, he's a big guy. And uh, this guy said, "Hey, I need you to drive my car." Well, I'm here to tell you that if your car's set up for somebody five eight, five nine, five ten, and he gets in your car, you got problems. His head was sideways, his knees were sideways to fit in there, and still killed him by half a track. So I've heard a lot of stories. But back in the day, they didn't have, you know, Dirt Race Central. They didn't have all them things. Never really got to see him race. But, man, I heard a lot of good stories about him out in out in South Dakota. And uh, still after, still like the race, but still heavily involved with sports. So, Ron Anderson, another guy um, <clears throat> that maybe you remember this name, maybe not, Tom Essie.
1: Name kind of sounds familiar.
0: So Tom Essie's from the Twin Ports area and he raced a late model number 20 for a number of years. And then when he retired, Daryl Nelson had been running a mock. Okay. And and Billy retired. And and I think he might have owned Billy's cars or was involved with them, but I know he owned Daryl Nelson's early late model rides. And then his son, which is Dave Essie, he ran a super stock and then a late model. He actually owns the late model now that Jody Belfi drops, the 11 ride over at uh, Superior and Proctor. So Tom Essie, uh, a legend over in the Twin Ports. And then uh, you mentioned Patchen, the street stock guy, another guy from the Proctor area. Don't have a lot of stories about him, but we called him Tiggy, Tom Turcott. He ran a street stock several different years. And another guy that's a buddy of ours, um, Matt Sorensen, many different numbers, many different numbers, but uh, Lauren Inman sent me this and he says, one of my favorite cars, his dad Terry sponsored it when they had the auto shop and uh, he, he was a number 20 in the Wissota Street Stock Division. Now, I'm gonna give you a clue here. Let me see if you can get this name right. Probably not gonna get it. I'll give you the number and I'll give you the class. I'll give you a couple of clues to see if you can get this right. 20R. So it was a modified when it was 20R. Two different guys that are legendary in that area. Uh, maybe more, but two guys that I know of for sure drove this car. One guy that drives it now, or that not drives it now, one guy is still racing in the late model division today. at the And he runs primarily around Menominee and Cedar Lake. Late model know. driver that has, and not in this car, but he's a former Wasota Modified National Champion. I don't know. Blue and yellow. 85 now. Blue and yellow 85 late model. Are you serious? You can't get Canter? that. Yes. Canta? All right. I don't say we're gonna cancel the show. If you well, can't no, figure I, out, blue I, and I yellow eighty five. All right. I
1: didn't say canta because I didn't think it can't be
0: Canta. <laughs> yeah, Canta won a Wesoda modified national championship. Uh I think late 80s or early 90s, but he drove for a guy, Dennis Repal, um, over from the Menominee area. Ron Mater, a former Wasota Superstock national champion, hot back in a super this year. So they had the 20R car. I got this from Lauren Inman. I completely spaced this. But Dennis now, um, I was told he rebuilds Midwest Modified. So he'll take used cars and put new bodies on them and refurbish them and sell them. And he's still doing that and still involved with racing over uh, in the Menominee, Wisconsin area. So kind of a cool one there, kind of stumped you. Another one I have, Superstock Guy Bert. this guy I raced against, still racing, his kids racing too, Corey Davis. And he runs over at the Cedar Lake Speedway. And uh, he used to run a turbine chassis, which at the time, Bert, was my arch nemesis. Okay. (laughs) I had TRCs. I had affordables. Turbines were built like literally 10 minutes from my house. Mark Tremorth, beautiful cars, but heavy rivals because all the guys that raced against had them. But Corey Davis, uh, one story, and I remember this, and and I talked to Lem today, and he mentioned it. He had like a straightaway lead at the Wasota 100 back when the Wasota 100 was huge at the Cedar Lake Speedway and uh, broke a set of gears. And I otherwise had that one won, but he won several races in that turbine chassis in the number 20. And then you mentioned Smoke, but now that you mentioned Smoke, how about a guy that was sponsored by Smoke in a number 20? JD Byriders, number 20. Sprint cars. Knoxville Nationals champion, I believe. I know he's won lots of races in Knoxville. Danny the Nude Lasoski. Oh, okay. Yep. He ran for Stewart in the 20 ride. And I remember going to the Cedar Lake Speedway But There used to be on the to on a Monday show with the world of outlaw sprints and with soda, Superstocks sprint cars, of course, were the support class for the Superstocks, And uh, I remember walking out on the track and all of a sudden I see this little, little guy. He's short. Danny Lasoski was a short guy. I'm not very tall, but he's shorter than me. And he walked out and I'm standing there looking at the track and he just started talking and, at the time, I'm like, oh, this is freaking cool. I'm talking to Danny Lasoski, and he's like, what's this track do? And he's kind of asking me a little bit, and I'm like, kind of felt like King Dangling there a little bit. I kind of felt like a big shot, but it was pretty cool, and uh, I don't remember how he did that night, and we ran well. We always ran well at Cedar Lake in the Super, but Danny Lasoski, I think he's still racing a little bit, um, mostly down around Knoxville, I believe. I mean, not what he was when he was driving the 20 ride, but I think he still gets after it. Now, Another guy that I have from Hibbing ran a, ran a, I guess it would have been a pure stock, but he might have played hockey with him. I played hockey with his brother, Puka knows him really well, Ryan Anderson. And uh, he actually used to be the parts guy at the auto value store. And uh, he was the one guy that I could go to because Bert, all of us racers used to be annoyed by this. We'd go into the parts store and we would be like, Hey, I need an air cleaner, 14 inch air cleaner, four inch tall. What your car, what make and model? (laughs) I <laughs> need a 14-inch, four-inch tall Wix air filter, make and model. And, and he was not that guy. He would be the guy that'd be like, okay. And he had a good notepad of what we needed, took good care of us. But Ryan Anderson, and then uh, our, our fan of the show, of course, our late model expert, Jeff, his brother Carl um sent me over one and he sent one last week. I gotta apologize to Carl because I, he had a couple 19s that I totally spaced, but Chris slinden um now this is a guy that ran a midwest mod and they're used to, so they're cousins so jeff carl and keith they're all brothers and we know jeff and keith have given us some info for the show their cousins arnie Guddy and matt or arnie Guddy and chris they all live down by the grove creek speedway and they all worked there for a while and uh chris used to work on his car for a couple of years over at arnie's so there's a shout out to carl and another guy legendary and we've talked about this guy a few different times in the hibbing area bert like like a few of them for you before my time but roger carlson he had a 63 ford galaxy i got a picture of here he drove for don mohawk and one thing i didn't know and lem told me is the ford galaxy was one of the only cars of its day or maybe the only car of the day that was built with specific designs for racing in the car so kind of an advantage back in the day to have them 63 galaxies and then the last one i got on um, the 20e 2016 inductee to the rice lake speedway hall of fame rick ellis and and really i didn't run against him much but the night i remember he came up for the labor day weekend which was which i felt was interesting because rice lake used to always have a double header on labor day and i remember him and stevie thomas says you know what screw rice lake we're going to go to hibbing for the Labor Day shootout. So for us, we're like, wow, we got a couple of Rice Lake cars here. And they got their hometown special. And I started front row next to him on day two of the Labor Day shootout in 1998. Don't remember where he finished. I do remember where I finished. And I took home the checkers that night. It was kind of a bittersweet one. We lost a really good friend of our family, a racer, Dan Clodgett, passed away after his heat race on night two um, at the Labor Day shootout. I went on a double sweep. It was bittersweet, but uh, Rick Ellis, his kid is a stud in the Midwest Mon division. won a bunch of races last year. Keep an eye on Austin Ellis. So, Bert, that's a blast of the past there. But what I'm going to talk about now, okay, speaking of a blast of the past, right, and I know it's a racing show, it's not a football show, I get that all the time, but what was the biggest football news
1: of the past week? Uh, Kirk Cousins signed a 35 million dollar extension. <laughs> yeah, I don't know
0: that that was the biggest news. Um, that is news for Vikings fans. I'm not sure if it's good news bad news. The jury's still out, but Tom Brady unretiring, right? Kind of pulling a Brett Favre and it's kind of fun because I see people on Facebook. Oh, I knew he was going to do that. He's selfish. And, you know, he's a liar. And there's people, he's all over his case. And there's some people saying the goat is back. So, you know, it's Tom Brady. Some people are super excited. Some people are hating on him, like they hated on Brett Favre. But I got to thinking about that. When you first saw that, that Tom Brady was unretiring, I want you to tell me the first thing that went through your mind.
1: I just thought, wow. <laughs> um i kind of had a hunch he may come back but i didn't think it would
0: be this soon <laughs> yeah and, and that's if you're going to come back at that age it has to be soon because there's not, well, any, yeah. <laughs> you're not getting any younger, right so i got to thinking right so have you ever saw racers right that just stayed too long right they were unbelievably yep. fast and then they kind of hung it up for a while they came back and they just kind of you know, they're there, but they're not the dominant driver they once were. Right. And then, and then you see drivers on the flip side that they're on top of their game and they're like, hey, I'm done. Right. And nobody has, there's no certain timing or whatever. But I saw somebody post uh, or I was watching one of the NFL shows yesterday and they said, you know what? If you feel you still got it and you call it quits, you might have some unfinished business. You might not ever really be at peace. Okay. Now, let me ask you this. Do you Can you think of one other quarterback in the NFL that has the same career accomplishments as Tom Brady? Um, not, not Super Bowl accomplishments. Can you think of one that was even... Think about how disciplined he was, right? Is, not was, is, right? Everything he does every single day is specifically designed to put him in the best position to succeed right what he eats his sleeping pattern his workout regimen watching tapes i mean is there a person more ocd than tom brady that you can think of
1: no probably not
0: i mean would you say ben roethlisberger or maybe not right (laughs) okay so where i'm going with that is there's two types of people that race okay several but i got two for this argument here okay one is your they love to race they'll 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 put a little bit of effort into it they might feel like it's a lot of effort but they have their family they have their career their business their job and racing is that other thing they do right and they might be good at it but it's like it's not their they're not obsessed right and then you have the other group of people that like racing is absolutely the single most important thing in our life right it's the most important thing everything i do is to put myself at the level i need to be to win championships i'm talking all in people that like i can't go to work today i gotta work on the car i can't go to work today because i gotta get to this race racing comes first right all the time you know they're eating it sleeping it and like their whole lifestyle everything they do is flat out racing that's few and far between though i think jeffrey massingill maybe is the only one in our area. I would say the Blevins family up in Hibbing. Um, Mike is very passionate, but you can see it, right? <clears throat> there's, there's certain people that you can tell they are just straight up obsessed. And there's certain people that just do it. I think Johnny broke hell of a race car driver. He's not obsessed. He's not, right? Because he's, he's like, well, I got to go to work. I got the, he has a kid now. I don't really feel like racing on Sunday could probably would have won a bunch more races there's nights where they just they go if they feel like it and when he goes he's ultra competitive but eh, you know what you know doesn't sometimes he feels like going sometimes he doesn't nothing wrong with that that's not obsessed right that's not like that passion would you say that tom brady was obsessed at being an nfl quarterback
1: yeah i would agree
0: with that okay so i know people Bert, right that I saw a documentary, what a football for a second. Jerry Rice, okay. He was obsessed, arguably one of the top wide receivers to ever play the game, threw it into the game, worked out all the time. If that's what you do for 20, 30 years of your life when it ends, now what? You're lost. You don't have a clue one what the hell to do, right? because everything that you've done has been putting you in the position to succeed at that high level of what you're doing. When that's gone, Jerry Rice talked about, he considered committing suicide because he he felt lost, right? He had to find something to pour himself into. Why did Tom Brady go back? It's not because he has anything to prove. He doesn't need to make more money. He hasn't found that next thing, right. To pour himself into that same thing happens with racers. You know that same thing happens with several racers. Me, me in particular. Everything I did, my whole entire life was all 100% racing. There wasn't a person anywhere around here that spent more time in the shop working on their stuff than me. And then when that quits, well, then you better find something to pour yourself into, or you're going to lose your mind, right? And and that's where people are. So so racers. I get it, right? You know, some people stick around. They're like, I'm still going to race, and maybe not quite as much. But there's a there's a certain aspect. People, some people have that obsessed personality where they got to find something to pour into. You know, you think about, uh, you know, I've heard stories about some drivers in Wasota that were national champions, and that that are no longer racing today, right? That literally have gone through some extremely, extremely dark times. So if you know racers that were like that hungry, that passionate, check in on them and <laughs> see how they're doing. Because I'm telling you, if they haven't found something to pour themselves into, they might be struggling with who they are. And I think that maybe Tom Brady, I think it hit him Right. And I think he's like going, I don't know what to do next. I mean, there's all things like people are like, there's all kinds of things he could do. Well, there is, but not to that level. So I get why Tom Brady came back now. Hopefully he doesn't get hurt, right? Because that's a risk you take coming back. But uh, man, I seen that. And I'm like that. Just I just thought about that. It's like when somebody's obsessed with what they do and they no longer have anything to be obsessed with, it can be a really, really dark, dark place. So, um, and yeah. I mean, a lot of times, uh,
1: you know, I hear I hear this, and I've talked to drivers that have have gone through this. Is once somebody who's raced for a long time once they step away from racing they don't go to the races anymore because they know if they go to the races they're going to get the itch to do it again so they just don't go
0: (laughs) that's what i did for two years for two years i didn't go to the races in fact i basically shut out about everybody that i knew from racing and i'd be like racing's freaking stupid i don't want to talk about racing because i didn't think racing was stupid but it's like, if I talked about it, it, it bothered me this past week. So I, I still had an old engine in my, in my dad's shop. Okay. blowing up, but the, there's some parts on it that were good. And a good friend of mine, Nick Hoff, that uh, hard charger racing engines out in Sydney, Montana, little plug form him right there builds good stuff. Um, he's like, Hey, send that over. You know, if there's anything usable on it, I'll, I'll pay you for it. I'm like, okay, I want to own the shop, right? Bert? And I'm digging through stuff. I felt like like I was having the sweats, the shakes, like literally like an uncomfortable feeling inside my body. Like I I couldn't handle it. I didn't like being out there. Right. Because I lived my whole life in that shop preparing the race. And then I'm sitting there I'm like, you know what? I I still have a ton of stuff. There's I have a ton of parts out there, lots of stuff that I should have went through a long time ago to get rid of, but I, I just can't get myself to even go out there. So, I mean, I get it. Like, and that's, uh, it was it was a little bit of a struggle going out there and shipping that stuff on the way. And it's like, oh my gosh, I should get Kevin Celine to come out and just like clean everything out because I, I don't even want to look at it. And I do have some opportunities to drive. We'll see. We'll see what happens there. But uh, I'm that all-in guy, Bert. I'm not the guy that, if I'm going to do it, I can't just kind of like part time it. It's got to be all or nothing or I'm not doing it. So I struggled there a little bit myself. So I understand the Tom Brady. I mean, not to my success in racing has never been to his level, but my level of of obsession um, towards what I do in racing was definitely to the same level of him. So let's go over to some fan questions. So Brent, he actually gave us a couple of good questions, Bert, a couple of weeks ago. And he sent over a couple more here um, this week. So here's a question for you, okay? So is there a certain drivers We talk about weekly racing, special events, long races. This could be regional, maybe more of a national. But his question was, do you ever, is there some drivers that you know that are really, really good, right? In like the long races, you know, your 40, 50, 100. Lap type races that maybe never really seem to rise to the top on a 20 lap or 25 lap feature. I'm like, that's an interesting question. Um, I
1: mean, I mean, locally, not because you know the race, <laughs> there really are
0: no long races locally. Um, and I would say 40, right? You know, let's take a challenge series race, those were always 40, and a regular night late model features 20 to 25 typically. I mean, normally it's the other way around,
1: you know, a driver is good in the 20 la- in the shorter race, but uh, they don't have the experience uh, uh, to be there at the end in a, in a long race. But I mean, I can't think of any off the top of my head that. One um,
0: that I one comes to mind for me locally, John Canta. John Canta for, old, I mean, tons of challenge series races. and And I'm telling you, I used to always say this. I'm like, that guy never looked fast. Ever, right? Smooth, steady, hit his marks, lap after lap. And that 40 lap feature, next thing you know, he's up there battling for the lead. And you're like, lap 20, this dude was nowhere to be found, right? So John Canta's a guy that on a longer race is somebody that impressed me. Um, you know, I'd say. Would you say Scott Bloomquist was better on them long races and shorter ones when he was in his prime? I mean, he's good on everything in his prime, but
1: I mean he was definitely good in the longer races because I mean he I mean, how many worlds does he have? How many dreams does he have?
0: Right. Um, so on I flip mean he, side, you go on the flip side of it, Kyle Bronson, not your hundred leftist. <laughs> not right. Remember, I mean, think about him at the USA Nationals last year. If that was a 25, 30-lap feature, I think he was leading at that point. He wins that thing, but the guy looks like he's going to absolutely be balls to the walls every single lap of the qualifying lap. How about Terry Case on the flip side of that? Probably the best qualifier in eastern Wisconsin ever. 100-lap race, it's like, no, he ain't going to finish, probably. Wow. Well, yeah, I mean, he was leading
1: the USA Nationals that one year, and then uh, his own car his backup car uh he got Remember together that? got to, who who drove was that kane yeah yeah it was dave kane yep yeah <laughs> got together and then
0: <laughs> yeah
1: i'm sure that wasn't a good conversation
0: no because <laughs> terry wasn't he's kind of feisty anyways so, so that's another question he had so we talked about some you know a little bit of on track controversy scuffles right so right here it says, is there any consideration for a driver or crew, you know, their physical stature when it comes to on-track scuffles or, you know, bitching at somebody or maybe, uh, you know, and, and he put here for example, would a guy like Tyler Cater, and You don't know him. He's young, young. He's like, I think he's 16 now. Maybe might be old, oh, he's older, maybe 17 now, but just a little bit, right? Can you see him going up to Dan Sleeper and getting in his face? right? Or Bill Sleeper or Don Hammer, right? Don Hammer's a beast, you know, his kid, Kyle Hammer races. You're going to see that little guy at a track going up and starting a bunch of nonsense. Or do you think that, uh, you know, they kind of shy away from that? A little? Bit? I mean, I, I
1: think that's determined more on the personality of the driver rather than the physical stature of the driver. I mean, I don't care if somebody's only five five, if they have the if they're if they have the mentality that they want to get into somebody's face, they're gonna get into somebody's
0: Aaron, face. I don't Lauren Inman, my buddy, comes to mind because he's like five seven or whatever, but he was I mean, I saw him jump up and down on somebody's airplane, and I've seen him punch people in the face, you know. So there's that, right? But how about as far as driving on the track? So do you think, and his question was also above and beyond that, do you think there's any consideration with how they race each other? Do you think that a a guy, a a young guy that maybe doesn't have that like feisty personality, do you think they're going to give a big guy that's a little grumpy on the racetrack more room because of say an intimidation factor? Do you think that, um, do you think some people that kind of more aggressive out of the car that you kind of shy away from them on the track? Do you think that those kind of people that are more feisty out of the car are more aggressive and they'll push people around that aren't, have you ever seen anything like that?
1: Well, I mean, I, I think if you're feisty, I think if a driver's feisty outside, outside of the car, I think, you know, it's kind of a foregone conclusion that, you know, they're not afraid to, uh, uh, Rubins racing. Um, I mean, we, you know, we talked a little bit about Terry Casey. I mean, Terry Kay, I mean, Terry Casey's not, not that tall. I mean, he's, he's stockier, but, uh, he's not that tall, but I mean, Terry Casey wouldn't back down from
0: anybody. <laughs> no, no, definitely not. <laughs> so that makes me think right back to the modified days. So I raced against Kelly Estee, probably the most accomplished mod driver, kind of in the Hibbing Grand Rapids, that Hibbing Proctor Grand Rapids, he won a pile of races. But early in the year, and I, I watched this, right? And I really started paying attention to it. Early in the year, he would hit everybody. Like he would bonsai in and he'd right rear quarter pan you and smoke you up off the track. And he'd drive over your left front tire and he would just, he'd carve on you. I'm telling you, like and it was obvious, right? And what I saw happen And it was genius because 50% of the drivers would literally move over the minute they saw the red 37 get inside of him. He'd duck inside to be like, yeah. And they kind of shy off to the side because they had in their mind, he's going to run me over. Well, he had planted that seed in their mind earlier in the year. And he was the kind of guy that if you went up bitching, he's going to get into it. I mean, I, I know him and Jody Belph, have been into, you know, fighting matches and, you know, all kinds. I think him and Provenzino did. So he was not afraid to get after it, but he'd kind of bully his way around and make a statement early. And then half the year from that point forward, when the invitationals come on later in the year, he could just duck inside somebody and they'd just kind of lift and move over and let them go by. So do you think them head games are a big factor? Have you seen any of that in your area?
1: Um, I'm sure it's gone on. I can't think of anything off the, the top of my head. Um, I mean, I guess, uh, I mean, not that he would push people around, but, uh, I mean, Pete Parker, I mean, he, he's a big guy, you know, he's a big guy. And, uh, I mean, he was, I wouldn't say that, you know, he was a dirty driver, but I mean, he wasn't afraid to, you know, rub paint with you either. Um, but, um, I mean. I think all drivers, you know, if they get pushed around, they remember, they remember who did it. And uh, you know, they may drink beers afterwards and have some laughs, but when they're strapped back in the car, they remember that. And if if they get the opportunity, you know, they, they may give it back to them.
0: And depending on who the person is, sometimes that'll just fester and the bad blood just won't go away. And some Mm -hmm. of them, they'll be like, you, like I got into it with Timmy Johnson. He garbaged me one night at Cedar Lake, and I just told him, I said, you got one coming. And I garbaged him in Proctor for the win, and I, I drilled him hard, and he comes walking down. I'm like, oh, because Timmy's a big boy. And he threw me a bottle of water. He goes, man, that was hard to you, dick." He goes, we even now that was it. It was done, right? Other people, not so much. So then, do you think that number one, those rivalries like that, do you think that's important? Do you think that that kind of rivalry is something that can be of value to the sport.
1: Oh yeah. I mean, uh, rivalries are, are great. I mean, that's actually, that's one of the things that, uh, you know, we were talking about uh, weekly racing culture to me, that's one of the things that, that is, that Shano has going for it. Uh, I mean, back when, MJ McBride and Terry Avelink and Pete Parker, you know, they were the big three. Um, I mean, I know they each wanted to beat each other. I mean, me it's no Was secret. that
0: rivalry stronger between those three drivers or their fan bases?
1: Oh, the fan bases. <laughs>
0: uh, well,
1: definitely, definitely the fan bases. I mean, um,
0: who, Who's one of the most crazy?
1: Um, I don't, I don't know who's the most crazy. I mean, they are all very passionate. That, um, I mean, I remember um, and I think uh, Joe Vertigan wrote about it, about this in one of his books uh, um, that MJ and Terry Avelink were talking in the pits one time and, you know, they, they were looking up into the grandstands because they're some of their fans were fighting with each other up in the grandstands. And, you know, they're down in the, in the pits just kind of laughing about it. Yeah, so. if
0: you haven't checked that out, Joebertigan.com he's got some <clears throat> great, great stuff out there. That 5'1032 book was, was awesome. So check out his stuff for sure. I remember it, and, and Bob Smith hates when I bring this up. He said, I, I don't even want you to bring that up no more. Well, sorry, Bob, but I just got to, right? Cause I mentioned Kelly Estee a little bit ago, but Bob Smith, his kid, Jake Smith uh, rookie of the year in a modified division last year in Wasota. So Bob was from Bemidji area and, and, Ke- and Kelly Esty was from Kelly Lake, which is right outside of Hibbing. And they, they had a claiming war back and forth. And I mean, like they, they were just, they, there was no love lost between the two of them. And I think Bob had a sponsor that paid for it and he claimed Kelly and like Ke- back in the day, Kelly Lake, you might as well shut down the whole town. They're all at the heaven race, Club. And there was a bunch of racers, and basically it was like, you better get him a police escort past the Kelly Lake Bridge because he ain't going to make it past it. Kelly Lakers are going to run him off the road and beat the hell up. And so he actually had to have a police escort past that into the next county to get back on the road because they're like, we don't know what these crazy guys are going to do here. So so them rivalries, and that was such a—you never knew what was going to happen next. I think that adds to it a bunch. So, and, let's
1: uh, go well, I just want to say one other thing. I mean, we we're talking about Joe Vertigan. I mean, Joe Vertigan always says that you need you need somebody in racing to wear the black hat because that's what that's what draws people to the track. And I mean, you know you know, I mean, obviously, I mean, we talked about Terry Casey, I would say he de- he definitely wore the black hat and, uh, you know.
0: <laughs> it, it did, and I'm trying to think in my area, you know, I, I had rivalries in the super stocks with me and Murado and, you know, me and Dave Moss, and, I, you know, I'm thinking back, I think that big rivalry, of course, between Bob Smith and Kelly Esty was a fun one. Pete Wallers and Kelly Esty was a big rivalry for a while, but that kept people engaged, especially if it's a especially if both of those people are from the same community, then it's, then it's way more fueled. If you have a rivalry with somebody that's, you know, 200 miles or hundred miles right. away from where you live, it's not the same, but if it's your local weekly culture and you've got a rivalry and your fan base and everything that, that can be a big, big deal for sports or in general, let alone racing. So let's jump into the national recap. Not a lot of racing here this past weekend, of course, brought to you by Brad Parson. And Brad Parson does soil health and fertilizer efficiency for farmers. And he he takes care of the North, South Dakota, Minnesota area, 15 year track record. He can help you save money and increase your yields. And let's just be honest with fuel prices. I can't even imagine for the fuel prices to run some of that equipment on farms coming up here in the not so distant future. If he if you can if you're looking for ways to maybe offset some costs and increase your productivity, give Brad a call. Um, he'll take good care of you for racers by racers. So with that said, really the big thing this past weekend, Burt World of Outlaw Sprint Car Action. They had a a two of their first. They have six race swing in California. They had a pair of races at the Thunder Bowl Raceway in Tulare, California. Night number one. Just a quick recap. Went to Hot Sauce Giovanni Selzi. night two. Young Money Kyle Larson. What stuck out to you from the two nights of World of outlaw Sprint Car action? Uh well, uh, the
1: feature of the first night was better than the feature of the second night. I think uh, there's the first night there's uh, they were there's some they're swapping the lead back and forth for a little bit. And uh, but uh, I liked uh, Skelsey's, uh interview after the race because. Uh, He's a a Cali guy, and he said, yep, Cali won, World of Outlaws zero or something to that effect.
0: (laughs) The rivalries, right, because Pennsylvania Posse has that. It's always the Posse versus the Outlaws, and their big hope up there, Lance DeWeese. There's some talented uh, sprint car drivers from California, Brad Sweet, Kyle Larson, Scalzi, all them drivers, night number two, young money Kyle Larson. So now it's California two world of outlaw zero so that's quite interesting and uh burt first dirt win of the season for kyle larson how about that did you think it would take this long um
1: no uh i mean he hasn't raced well i i guess i i shouldn't say that because i don't know if he's raced as many dirt races this year at this point as last year but uh no i didn't think it would take this long especially since uh earlier this year in the late model, I mean, he started on the front row a few times, but uh, you know, he couldn't, uh, he couldn't bring the money home at the end.
0: No, he was bolted night one, two battle for the lead there, him gravel and Selzy. And he actually crossed it up just about spun out from yep. the whole field. <laughs> and uh, so it's like, I wanted to give Keith some crap, because Keith is a big Kyle Larson fan. I am, too. I like Kyle Larson, too, but I still wanted to give him crap. I'm like, well, there you go, stepping on his dick. But he salvaged, I think, third on um, night number one, and then, of course, got it done on night number two, and traveling back and forth, because he had to fly, you know, because he was over-qualifying and stuff in Phoenix, blew his motor in the NASCAR. Um, Donnie shots upside down on night number two. Fuel cell got ripped right out of the car, which I thought was interesting, because I thought they. I didn't really think they got ripped off. Fuel was kind of pouring all over the track. You don't really see the fuel cells get ripped off all that often, do you? No, no, not too often. So this this weekend, they got two more nights of their basically a, a California California like mini vacation because I thought the races at first were kind of all bunched together. They were going to make one swing and then leave. But they got two races this weekend, two races next weekend. So a lot of those teams just staying in Cali. And they're going to merced and ocean raceway here this coming weekend so world of outlaw sprint car action never disappoints great shows and uh let's jump into it uh, some who's hot and who's not brought to you by blue line brews if you're a coffee drinker right if you like the, the united states right we they support the men and women in blue so you can drink coffee and you can support a great great cause because a portion of their proceeds Goes to families of fallen officers, families of injured injured officers. Several different blends. BlueLineBrews.com. They have K cups now, so give them a give them a shout out. Take a look at them. Order some product, and uh, some of that money is going to go to good use. So, Bert, who do you have? Who's hot? Um. Well,
1: uh, obviously Kyle Larson. Uh, he won a feature and finished uh, in the top three in the other one. So I'm going with Kyle Larson.
0: I'm going to go David Gravel, David Gravel. No, he did not win. He did not win, but in seven shows this year, Bert, his worst finish all year in seven shows is a seventh. The other six in the top five, four of them on the podium, including a second and a third, your early point leader in the world of outlaw sprint cars, David Gravel in the two who's not. Um, Mother nature, or at least the threat of mother nature. (laughs) Yeah, because I mean, Lucas Oil and World of Outlaw late models both canceled. They're they're supposed to both race last weekend, right?
1: Yes, I believe so.
0: Yeah, and they both canceled like long before it even happened. And and yeah, I don't know if you noticed, but they switched around the dates. Atomic was going to run Friday, Chillicothe, Ohio, and now they're going to run on Sunday. So they kind of switched oh. around. So um, I have NASCAR car counts. Um, So they've had three NASCAR races over on the western side of the country, 36 drivers. Only the chartered teams have shown up to the last three shows. Now, do you anticipate, now that they're going back to Atlanta this weekend, do you anticipate a full 40-car field? Or do you think that trend is going to continue with only the 636 chartered teams attending?
1: Um I think the trend is probably going to continue. Um I I don't know if this is the reason why, but I mean they they got a new car this year. So some of these smaller teams may not have had the resources or been able to find the pieces to put together a car. I mean when you have some of the mega teams um like I think like Hendrick they had like one backup for all of their teams. Or maybe that was Gibbs. I think it was Gibbs because it was Kyle Busch. So, you know, they have four teams and they had one backup car uh, to split between the four teams. So hopefully only one of the teams needed a backup car. Um, So since the big teams are having problems finding the parts and pieces to put these cars together, you know, maybe the small teams just haven't been able to put together the new car
0: yet. Yeah, that's disappointing because honestly, I think the racing's been good. You know, but the fact is that the car counts are down, you know, I mean, that just goes to show. I mean, 36 cars was plenty to have a good, exciting race at the end of the race. But, you know, I'd like to see, I'd, I'd love to see more cars there than make the show, right? That's, you know, otherwise just get rid of qualifying, just skip it all together, you know, just draw or whatever, it don't matter, you know, and get rid of the qualifying, save everybody money because it's not like everybody's in the show. So it don't even really matter anymore. So let's jump into our Sure Bets of the Week, Bert, brought to you by Jay Schmidt Real Estate over in Watertown, South Dakota. If you need land, if you need commercial, residential, um, 20 years in business, going on 21 years in business, four racers, by racers the Schmidt family, heavily involved with racing, especially over at the Casino Speedway in Watertown. But my Sure Bet of the Week, the Lock of the Week, if you need real estate transactions in South Dakota get a hold of Jay Schmidt real estate. So Bert, what is your sure bet of the week?
1: Well, if people have been following my sure bets, uh, you're in the hole and uh, you got to dig out of the hole. So uh, it's time to double down, or in this case, it's triple down. Uh, Brad Sweet will get a victory in California this week.
0: (laughs) Wow. (laughs) I've been saying that for the last two weeks. So. I'm a little late model. Um, a guy that we, you know, really hasn't been much late model racing in the last few weeks, but, uh, the mailman who had a really, really good speed weeks, Devin Moran is going to park it in victory lane at one of the two, um, races coming up here this weekend. And what is that? Is it Lucas or is it world of all this weekend here? Lucas oil. It's Lucas. So one of the two Lucas races, Devin Moran, if not both is going to park the nine in victory lane. So. Let's jump into the last lap brought to you by Zuli's race engines. And, you know, quite honestly, there's still plenty of time to get stuff done. We are, I know Grand Rapids is about nine weeks out from the beginning of their racing season. A lot of the southern part of Wesota starts before that, but there's still plenty of time to get your stuff freshened, get a new engine from Frank. They've already got a championship this year. I know they have drivers heading to Humboldt here in a couple weeks, heading to Bristol So we'll have some Zuli race engine drivers to keep an eye on. We'll touch on that on next week's show on who's going. But uh, get a hold of Frank. They'll take good care of you. Builds great power. Look at their Facebook page. You can scroll through. You can see all the people that have won Zuli race engines. So speaking of NASCAR, we talked about 36 drivers. And did you watch the NASCAR race?
1: I just saw a little bit of it, not as much as the previous weeks.
0: Yeah, I didn't watch the whole thing either. I kind of flipped on at the end, but the one thing that stuck out to me was a Chase Briscoe parked in Victory Lane in Tony Stewart's 14 car. But when I noticed there was two restarts at the end, one about 20 laps and I think one around five laps to go, the three drivers battling for the win had never won at the highest level of NASCAR. So, and Tyler Reddick, former dirt racer, was one of them. So, <clears throat> I thought that was kind of intriguing, seeing some of these younger teams, first-time winners. We could see a bunch of that this year in NASCAR. Now, let's jump over to our current standings. Uh, I don't want to brag, but I did get points on both races here this last weekend and kind of closed the gap up a little bit. Bert, you're at 28. Jeff's at 25. Puka's at 24. And I'm still sucking it up down at 20. And Our buddy Mike.
1: I've 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 been on twenty eight for several weeks, so I'm I'm letting you try to catch up, but it I can't wait forever for you to catch me. Yeah,
0: I got. Yeah, (laughs) we'll see. Well, last week four of the six shows we were picking canceled, right? So (laughs) this weekend we got a couple World of Outlaw sprint races at Merced and uh, Ocean Lucas Oil races we got going on at Atomic at Browntown. So what are you personally? most looking forward to in the racing action this week um the i'm looking forward to some light model action <laughs> well brownstone wasn't that the track last year that they got the heats in and i think uh brian sure i think so it, the like, track yeah, was all rough tonight yeah so yeah they're, now they're they're calling for rain right like wednesday thursday over there are they going to have, is it going to be a repeat of that? Or do you think they'll kind of have that under control? I don't know. Hopefully it's not a repeat of last year. <laughs> Cause atomic was supposed to be on Friday in Brown town on Saturday, but with the forecast Lucas oil worked with the racetrack and they said, Hey, here's the deal. Friday. It, it just does not look like it's going to be good. So atomic has now switched till Sunday. So dirt late model action Saturday and Sunday, World of Outlaw sprint car action is Friday and Saturday. I'm looking forward to the late model action, too. I think Brownstown is a pretty fun track to watch. I think they get around that place. It can be kind of a little bit cowboy up. I don't want to see bonsaiing through the ruts and destroying stuff, but a little character on the track always does a little bit of good. And then, of course, next week we got uh, the Bristol Dirt Nationals. That's coming up. That starts, I think, practices on Monday next week. And then I think racing starts on Tuesday. And then, of course, the end of next week, um, they have 250 grand to win shows at Bristol, but also the Thaw Brawl is going on. So that's going on at, uh, at Davenport. And I saw there were some top tier drivers that are planning on going to Davenport that I did not expect. I, I thought maybe, so I'm looking at this here bear with me one second because i got i got a little bit of a list in front of me um tyler herb bobby pierce hudson o'neill you know heckin mars shirley albertson rusty schlank they all have on their schedule that they're going for 10 and 20 to win at davenport do any of those names surprise you that they're not going to go race for a pair of 50 grand to win shows versus going to race at Davenport for 10 and 20? Um,
1: maybe Herb a little bit. Um, but, uh, I mean, a lot of those drivers, Davenport is probably closer for them. Right. Than Bristol. And now with, you know, the price of fuel and everything, um, it doesn't totally shock me that some of those drivers are
0: going there. Kind of surprised by Hudson O'Neill right I yeah that they, one that one's a little
1: surprising
0: yeah i figured he'd maybe go to that xr deal but then that same weekend coming up right they got two world of all shows what is it the rock cult memorial at cherokee and i'll be completely honest with you like that place sucks right i mean i ain't seen a good race there. we talked about the place locks down is that a disadvantage to following a series when when some of these drivers you take brent larson Dennis Herb Jr., right? Some of these drivers, Brandon Shepard, they literally got to drive basically right past Bristol for 50 grand to win to go race for less money to win at a horrible racetrack. Yeah, I, I
1: mean, I I can see where it can be as frustrating for them. But, I mean, if you decide to follow a series, that's what you have to do.
0: Yeah, to me, it's like that's the one downfall. Yeah, they're guaranteed in the show. They're guaranteed tow money. They're guaranteed some of that stuff. But, man, it would be especially when, if they're not running really good in points, it would be really, really difficult to drive past a a show that pays that much to go to a lesser-paying show. Yeah,
1: that's what what happened last year um, with Brownstown. That was the race that got canceled after the heats because – uh, Superman wasn't there because he, he was at Bristol.
0: Correct. Correct. So, and I'm going to, the last thing we'll leave it with this is last year going into the Bristol dirt nationals, that race had been promoted for months on it. Right. I mean, like I, I could not jump on Facebook without seeing some kind of promotion for dirt back on Bristol. It's Bristol, baby. I mean, like literally like, an insane amount of advertising and promoting, and it sounds like it went phenomenal. This year, with all the XR series, Vegas, and all of that, right? I've seen a lot less promoting for this event. And I also saw here in recent days that looking like car totes might be everything's gonna be less. There's different reasons, right? Economy, fuel costs, and all that, but less actual promoting. Do you think that it's going to do you think they'll have even half as mu- as much cars as they had the first time around? Um
1: I'll say they'll get half, at least half. Um I mean, I think part of it last year, I mean, count, car count wise was it's the first time that these drivers ever had an opportunity to race Bristol. And, you know, you're racing on a track that NASCAR races on. So a lot of drivers went there just for the novelty of it. And, you know, just to say, Hey, I raced at Bristol and I'm sure some of them are going back, but, you know, but also, you know, for some of the drivers, it's like, okay, I can cross that off my bucket list and, you know, move on to my next thing on the bucket list.
0: Especially with fuel prices, right? And right. Shortages, I mean, all that stuff that's going on. So it'll be interesting. Hopefully they have a good turnout. You know, hopefully the show is a success. I'm a little skeptical because there's been a lot less promoting. So episode 120 in the books, Bert, uh, we got some racing. We're both looking forward to some late model action. Sorry, Keith, late models is trumping sprint cars this weekend. <laughs> it just is what it is, but plenty of racing action coming up. And uh, Bert, always fun chatting racing with you. We'll have more to talk about here next week. Ryan Aho here, Bert Lehman. Thanks for tuning in to the One to Go Show. A production of Goat Sports Media, LLC.